Attention crew, this is your Captain Caliban speaking. This is a supplemental episode of Enterprising Individuals, where we bring you news and tidbits from the world of Trek, also interviews with special guests, and a few little surprises along the way. The show proper remains on leave, sitting by the pool on Ryza with a book and a horgon, and wondering why it's getting those strange looks. But we continue to bring you updates on the world of Trek news, and of course, our Star Trek Discovery live recap show, Discoverage, which airs on Sunday nights after Discovery streams on CBS All Access. Star Trek Discovery is about to take a break until the new year as its mid-season finale airs this Sunday night. And before we reach that milestone, we've got an update on the world of the show and some scuttlebutt from around the Trek sphere. And we've got an exclusive interview with two of the stars from the Twin Cities production of A Klingon Christmas Carol opening this December 1st at the Mounds Theater. And with that, kapla! I mean, let's get underway. Well, sadly, we have to start off with a bummer story, but one that's important to tell. Hollywood is currently being rocked by scandal as scores of actors and actresses who have been victimized and taken advantage of sexually are making their voices heard. And it shouldn't be a surprise that the issue reaches into the world of Trek. Anthony Rapp, the actor behind Lieutenant Stamets on Star Trek Discovery, revealed in an interview with BuzzFeed that he had been sexually propositioned and assaulted by actor Kevin Spacey at a party at Spacey's home in 1986. Rapp was 14 at the time and was starring on Broadway in Precious Sons alongside Ed Harris, while Spacey was acting alongside Jack Lemmon in The Iceman Cometh. Rapp tweeted about speaking out about his experience, saying, quote, I came forward with my story standing on the shoulders of the many courageous women and men who have been speaking out to shine a light and hopefully make a difference, as they have done for me. End quote. Rapp reports in the article that he met with a lawyer after the incident about the possibility of pursuing action against Spacey, but was told that, quote, there was no case worth pursuing, end quote. After Rapp's revelation, Spacey issued a statement in which he revealed that he was gay and apologized to Rapp for what he termed, quote, inappropriate drunken behavior, end quote. But Rapp's admission subsequently led to additional victims speaking out against Spacey, including journalist Heather Unruh, filmmaker Tony Montana, actor Roberto Cavazos, Richard Dreyfuss's son Harry Dreyfus, and eight staffers who worked on Spacey's Netflix show House of Cards. In the wake of the allegations, Netflix has canceled House of Cards, which was in the process of shooting its sixth and final season, and the network has ended its association with the actor. Spacey's publicist and agency CAA have also dropped the actor, and the International Academy of Television Arts and Sciences, which produces the International Emmy Awards, has announced that it has canceled plans to award Spacey with the International Emmy Founders Award this year. Ah, there are bad things and bad people in this world. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. But it's sobering and discouraging when you hear about something like this, and especially something that has gone on for so long that has targeted such vulnerable people, from minors to people who are subordinates, and they're just trying to do their jobs, and they're scared of losing them. We love seeing the adventures of our heroes in the future of Star Trek, but I want to thank a hero that's alive right now, Anthony Rapp, and all the heroes who have had the courage to speak out, and who are just so damn sick of this crap continuing to happen. Thank you, Mr. Rapp. No more Mark from Rent Cracks. I promise. These fingerless gloves that I'm wearing are for you. 
All right, from bad news to interesting news, CBS All Access is, of course, the place where you can see Star Trek Discovery. And if you're a Star Trek fan and you're not watching, come on, get over yourself. It's a great show. It it looks like a million bucks. I watched um, The Mark of Gideon last night, and it's 50 minutes of Kirk walking around empty sets, and Spock spends the entire show on hold with a customer service representative from the Soylent Green Planet. Discovery is so much better than that. So come on, let's, let's get into it. Let's join the team. Anyway, the success of Discovery and all that new all-access subscriber money has CBS looking to go from the neutral zone to the twilight zone. Okay, I got my cheesy mojo transition back, I think. Cancel orange alert. Deadline is reporting that CBS president and rejected Star Trek character Les Moonves announced plans in a recent investor call to reboot the Twilight Zone franchise. And The Hollywood Reporter has reported that Jordan Peele's production company Monkey Paw would be behind the effort, with Marco Ramirez, executive producer and showrunner of Netflix's Daredevil, set to helm the series. Similar to Star Trek, The Twilight Zone has been incalculably influential in shaping television in the second half of the last century and continuing into the 21st, and its influence can be seen in the proliferation of anthology storytelling on TV in shows like Black Mirror and Electric Dreams. Uh, I'm more of a fan than the latter, than the former. Black Mirror, to me, reads like, you know, baby's first Twilight Zone, but you have to start somewhere, I guess. So this is cool news, I think. Um... As an owner of the entirety of Twilight Zone on Blu-ray, I have to say that I'm in a similar position to where I was when I heard the announcement of Discovery, which is guardedly optimistic, but like, don't screw this up, (laughs) guys, right? Uh, So we'll see. Uh, The real question is, will Peel's involvement extend beyond producing? Will the newly minted horror thriller icon step in front of the camera to host the new show? Yes, yes, please, yes, that would be great. Extra props if he hosts it in character as Forrest Whitaker from the not-very-good 2002 UPN Twilight Zone reboot. And on the subject of skepticism, be it healthy or not so much, one Johns Hopkins professor has taken it upon himself to critique the science of the new Star Trek Discovery, and he's giving the show a failing tardigrade. Okay, all right, I lost it again. Orange alert! A hanker for a hunk of cheese! Professional spoil sport Steven Salzberg is the Bloomberg Distinguished Professor of Biomedical Engineering, Computer Science, and Biostatistics at Johns Hopkins University. And he's calling Discovery's ideas about tardigrades and spore drives a colorful metaphor, as Spock would put it. On the show, the USS Discovery can travel to any point in the galaxy on the mycelial network using its connection to a giant tardigrade, a bear-sized version of a hardy microorganism that is colloquially referred to as a water bear or sometimes a space bear. Lots of bears. Tardigrades are known for their environmental resilience, and one scientific paper in particular attributed them with the ability to employ gene transfer, that is, to appropriate sections of the genomes of other organisms and integrate them into their own, increasing their adaptability. It's this quality of the tardigrade organism that becomes a major plot point in the new series. But Salzberg points out that the ability of gene transfer in tardigrades has since been called into question by science and subsequent study, and he is critical of the show for depicting 23rd century science as still believing in it. Salzberg wrote in an op-ed piece for Forbes, quote, The idea of using horizontally transferred DNA for space travel is so nutty, so bad, it's not even wrong. Even if tardigrades could absorb foreign DNA, they can't, how the heck is this supposed to give them the ability to tap into the intergalactic spore network? DNA that's been taken 
taken up through HGT isn't connected to the source any longer, this is no more plausible than asserting that people could connect to the mushroom network by eating a plate of mushrooms, end quote. Now that is a premise that I can get into. The Cremini Whisperer. Salzberg is an accomplished scientist and researcher, particularly in the fields of genetics and bioinformatics, where he has participated in the Human Genome Project and even sequenced the genome of the anthrax used in the 2001 anthrax attacks. And in all that time, he's never discovered the gene for just taking a break for one gosh darn second. He's tirelessly advocated against pseudoscience, and I am behind that 100%. But seriously, or not seriously, this is a TV show, Stephen. Don't you have anything else to do? 51% of this country thinks that the Earth is 6,000 years old and that dinosaur bones are a lie by God. I don't think a magical space adventure should be your first action item. Nothing in Star Trek is real or possible. We can't travel faster than light. Forget the energy requirements. The causality issues alone are a nightmare. Every time you step into a transporter, you're being burned alive. You can't have iron-based and copper-based blood at the same time. There's no sound in space. Lizard Paris and Lizard Janeway living together. Mass hysteria! Enough! I get the point! This time, I'm telling the scientist to back off, man. I get it. Ignorance is all around, and you fought your whole life against it. Keep fighting. But don't be that guy who's looking in the wrong place. Don't be the person who claims, for example, to hate real-life violence and then goes and tries to persecute violent films or games or rap lyrics. That's not the same thing. Star Trek has inspired countless men and women to fields in the sciences, and I know this for a fact. It's not the field I ultimately decided to pursue, but when I was studying medicine in college, it was directly because of Dr. McCoy. And saying elsewhere, but let's leave Howie Mandel out of this. I was a science nerd directly because of Star Trek and science fiction, so let's take a deep breath. Got it? Remember that word. Fiction. Remember that. Stop working on our next think piece about how Q violates the laws of thermodynamics or how Trelane wasn't actually playing the piano. You want to do some discovery news? I want to do some discovery news. The stars of Discovery are currently on a European tour to promote the show. To those lucky Pataks who can watch it on Netflix. And showrunner Aaron Harberts has stated that production on the second season of Discovery is slated to begin in two weeks. No release date has been announced for the second season as of yet, outside of 2019. Ow. That's to be expected, I guess, these days, but it still hurts a little. Here's hoping that means early 2019. Harberts also revealed in an interview that the name of Discovery's main character, Michael Burnham, was inspired by Michael the Angel, which is, huh, I, I don't know what to, to make out of that, but it's an interesting choice. Uh, I'm going to guess that this is the Archangel Michael, right hand to God, and not the John Travolta character from the 1996 movie of the same name. Wow, Nora Ephron, <laughs> not, not always perfect. For every When Harry Met Sally, there's a mix nuts. For every My Blue Heaven, there's a You Got Mail. Well, all right, we've prolonged it long enough. It's time for Isaac's Antics. Our regular segment chronicling the exploits of anthropomorphic bottle of brute Jason Isaacs, star of Star Trek Discovery. The cast of Discovery works hard, but they play hard as well. As revealed in a series of set interviews for the Netflix network, actor and liar Shazad Latif, listen to our Discoverage shows if you want to know what I'm talking about or just Google it. He said in an interview that he and Isaacs are avid tennis fans and that he bought Isaacs a table tennis table, that's ping pong for you colonists, and that the actors often play in between takes to keep their energy up on set. 
Isaacs also said that the cast is very social offset and that star Sonequa Martin-Green often organizes get-togethers where the cast plays the game Mafia, which is a staple of many a sexless cast party in my theater days, I can tell you. I can also tell you I would not want to face Jason Isaacs across nine feet of green wood. He's a competitor. Isaacs came along for the European Discovery Tour I mentioned previously, and he made an interesting comment about the moral ambiguity of his character, Captain Lorca, saying, quote, he is trying to win the war against the Klingons, and he is surrounded by a bunch of... Oh, I'm I'm not doing it, sorry. He's trying to win the war against the Klingons, and he's surrounded by a bunch of hippies and idiots on his ship. So I need to stock the ship with people like Sinequa's character, who can think outside the box to kill people before they kill you. End quote. I love this scenario. He is the one guy trying to do his job right in a business of buffoons and weirdos, and he's willing to manipulate and be a jerk to see it done right. He's Louis De Palma from Taxi, which is a reference that... Let's face it, it's from a show younger than Trek, so shame on you if you don't get it. It's a show that's streaming on CBS All Access, by the way, so CBS, you know where to send the check. It's also the only time you'll hear anyone compare Danny DeVito and Jason Isaacs favorably, unless you're reading my Taxi Reboot spec, where Jason plays Nigel Pettifor, the ball-busting Englishman that the Sunshine Cab Company management office has brought in to clean up their Manhattan location, and Louie must reluctantly team up with Alex and the rest of the drivers to stand up to their oppressor from across the pond. And we'll wedge Christopher Lloyd back in there somewhere. It's a tale of American work ethic and ethnic jokes. Ethnic jokes, mostly. Um, I love me some Judd Hirsch. Check out Superior Donuts, Mondays on CBS. Well, as promised, Klingons are about to arrive. I sat down with two of the stars of a Klingon Christmas Carol recently to talk about the show, their Trek fandom, and a life lived out loud. Here it is. Uh, I am sitting down currently with the stars of A Klingon Christmas Carol, which premieres on December 1st at the Historic Mounds Theater in St. Paul, Minnesota. Would you mind introducing yourselves? I'm Lana Rosario. I play the older Skudja. I'm Elspeth Lee. I play younger Skudja. Young Skudja and old Skudja. Explain what the show is for listeners who don't know. Well, it's, it's a retelling or, according to the script, the first telling of A Christmas Carol only applied to Klingon culture, so it's not Christmas, it's uh, Romnebom, it's essentially solstice, and instead of not having the Christmas spirit, Shkodja does not have any honor. Which, in Klingon culture, bad news. Well, yeah, honor's the most important thing in the world to Klingon. Very important. Right. Um, what's your background individually with Trek, both of you? I mean, Go ahead. you don't have to be a Trek fan to be in a Klingon show. No, but I was I was raised on Star Trek uh, and Star Wars, but my mom was the one who raised me on Star Trek. I think the one I saw the most of is Enterprise, though, so I kind of know Enterprise the best. Not Really? Uh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, I'm I, you, sorry. You must, be, you must be aware, then, that it's not generally thought of as the best I, Star Trek show. I am aware of that, but honestly, I... Probably because it is the one that was like, it came out my generation. It's yeah. the one I know the best and it's the one I kind of like the most. But I do love, I've, I mean, I've seen them all except for the newest one. I haven't seen any of Discovery yet. Uh-huh. So. so when people talk about like TOS or like DS9, that great episode, you're like, no, hold on a minute. <laughs> There's some good ones on Enterprise as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I definitely would, would say that I like Enterprise um, episodes, but not more than I just know it better. Sure. So. Okay. Yeah. We well, found a unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> we 
We certainly have. <laughs> Lana, I feel like what I'm about to be kicked out of the show now. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you after the interview. Uh, Lana, <laughs> Lana, what about you? Well, I, I watched all of them up to Enterprise after about three episodes I gave up. Okay. Um, but, you know, growing up, yeah, they were all on either on TV at the time or they were on cable. Um, but the original Star Trek just has a, a sort of that, I don't know, that swashbuckle that the original Star Wars had. Mm-hmm. And it's so visually interesting. But then, you know, every, everyone is, is different. And I have to admit, I do like Voyager a lot. And I know that's not particularly pop popular with some people. But I loved that there were so many really strong females. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, they were out, they were completely out of their element. Um, and I think Voyager's been making a big comeback amongst fandom as well. There was a report that came out yeah, a couple months ago, maybe, about the most streamed episodes that people were watching, and six out of ten were Voyager. Yeah, it was I all saw Voyager that. stuff. Yeah, well, and yeah, there were just some. I mean, each series had some stuff that wasn't so hot, or characters <laughs> sure. that were like, oh god, they're on the screen now. I'm gonna go get something to eat. Right. But yeah, I think I think they tended to have so many interesting things going on, and yeah. and Seven of Nine. I know a lot of people thought she was eye candy, but you know she was a lot like Spock in that I am encountering what it is to be human for the first time, even though I am human. Right. And so looking at humanity through her eyes was really interesting. Not only that, she could kick a lot of butt. Yeah. yeah right. And when we meet Spock, he's kind of got that war between his two sides, but he's pretty much got it figured out, and it yeah. gets challenged. But whereas we get to see Seven of Nine develop into a person who can manage her both, both of her oh, sides. And I love the conflict when she's finally s- completely separated from the Borg yeah. and how, how, how alone she feels, and she just, like, freaks out. And it's like, you know... It, you, you you can feel what it would be like to be like that. It's so beautifully done. Yeah. Yeah. I will say, despite Enterprise being like the one I know the best, Janeway is my favorite captain. Oh, I love her. Yeah. yeah. She's funny. Test passed. Clearly, you guys both know your stuff as far as Trek goes. <laughs> you're doing a... I was, I was afraid I was out. You didn't know you were being <laughs> tested, but you were. Uh, you're doing a show that is, according to the text, in the original Klingon. Yes, and of course. It's not kidding around. The entire show is in Klingon. Except for the narrator. Yeah. Yep. That's right. So all the characters, and there's a bunch, there's 20 or so characters, all their text is delivered in Klingon. Mm-hmm. So how does the audience keep up? We have super titles. Um, and honestly, the people who come to these shows, a lot of them start to learn it because they come so much. <laughs> really? Well, I, I saw the show um, like the second year it was on. I, I joined in I, the third or fourth. I can't remember. But I saw it the year before I joined the cast. And if, if we're doing a good job, and I think we are, hopefully, <laughs> um, you know, you get so much out of the physical of it, the physicalization, that you only kind of glance at, at the super titles. So, you know, they're there for more of the talky stuff, but when the action starts, no, you get it. Yeah. Klingons, Klingons are one of the more expressive species mm-hmm. in Star Trek. They, they're, they're not closed off. They are very open with who they are. And so I think the show itself could, you don't have to understand a word of Klingon. You don't have to be able to read the, the titles because if 
like Lana said, if we're doing it right, it's going to be all there in our, in our emotions and the way we act. Mm -hmm. Sure. I like saying that Klingons live life out loud. Yeah. They are the opposite <laughs> of Minnesotans. <laughs> <laughs> and yet Minnesotans love to come see the show. Well, yes, because yeah. you live vicariously through them. Sure. I have to admit, once I started playing a Klingon, you know, I wasn't very fond of Klingons to begin with. I had to be mm -hmm. talked into doing the show the first year. And I just fell in love with being a Klingon because it's so freeing. It is so much fun. Yeah. You were converted. I was. I think it helps, too, that the show is based on a story that everybody knows. Yeah, I mean, yeah. everybody knows the story of Scrooge and, and the yeah. Christmas Carol. So it'd be a little different if you were doing Klingon Angels in America or something yeah. like that. Um, there's probably, I'm guessing, a lot of costumes and a lot of Star Trek-themed sort of things in the show. Ooh, you yeah. betcha. What, yeah. are your, what are your costumes like? Um, my costume as young Scooja. Yeah, as young Scooja, my costume is um, a ja it's a it's a jacket. I think I've, I've only seen it briefly for about two seconds to try it on. Oh, that's right. Um, so you you wear a, a pretty much the version of what I'm wearing. Yeah. Uh, through part of it, so it's it's a a long jacket with a big fur collar, obviously worn by <laughs> someone with money. Yeah. Right. Uh, but later on. I'm in pretty much a dressing gown for the rest of the show. <laughs> That's standard. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. is. But it's a sparkly dressing gown. It has that Star Trek quality to it, that original Star Trek. Sure, sure. The, the first year I did it, uh, two, two, two years ago, three years ago, something like that, uh, you, you were in the 60s. Yes. Oh. <laughs> and, and last year as well yeah. when I played past. Past was in this like 60s Klingon uniform. It oh, because it's Klingon of the past. Yeah. Yes. All right, that makes sense. Uh, what about the makeup? I mean, you must, you go full headdress or yeah. uh, ridges and everything? Yeah, we do, we do the ridges, we do um, the full, the full makeup. Uh, this year I get to wear a wig. Yeah. <laughs> this wear, year I'm wearing a wig because my hair is not the right color. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. We'll be able to match better that yeah. way. <laughs> my hair is just too short to do Klingon. You know, the fir my first year, my first two years, my hair was very, very short, so I had to have a wig. In fact, the second year, I had a curly blonde wig. I was Barbie Marja. <laughs> I, it was pretty funny. But yeah, this year, I'm, I'm pretty grizzled. It's, it's a, a look into the future, what I'm going to look like one day, I guess. <laughs> uh, if you did Klingon teeth, would it help or hurt your performances, do you think? Oh, dear goddess, I'm so glad we do not <laughs> do the, the, the dental appliances because yeah. I always feel sorry for those actors because they're pointy and trying to get your tongue around them is yeah. so difficult. And this is a difficult language to begin oh, with. Oh, sure, yeah. yeah. I, I sing in, in many languages that I don't actually speak. And this one, this one's like five times harder than German. <laughs> really? Yes. What would you say that it's similar to? It is. It's it is. similar to German in it's that German. it's a glutinat glutinative. Sure. So, you know, prefixes and suffixes. I'm allergic to glutinative. So. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you get these big, huge, long words. Um, but uh, it's subject, verb, no, object, verb, subject. So it's sort okay. of backwards to English. Yeah. And there's some sounds that English doesn't have. No. Oh, sure, yeah. The structure of the sentences reminds me a little bit more of Japanese, but not the actual language. Japanese flows and Klingon does not. <laughs> there's a lot of stops. And yeah. yeah, right. In fact, you know, if you say to a Klingon you have a smooth forehead, that's a horrific insult. Yep. <laughs> but also if you say to an actor that your Klingon is really smooth, that also is an insult because yep. it's supposed to be choppy and guttural. Sure. The choppier, the better. Yep. Mm -hmm. 
how do you think the show, in comparison to Christmas Carol, is different because it's about Klingons instead of Victorian humans? It's more fun. <laughs> <laughs> the fights. The fights, for the sure. Fight. <laughs> yeah. You don't see a lot of fights in, in Dickens. <laughs> no. Um, but also, you know, the people really get into it. The, the, the patrons come, and a lot of times they dress in their Klingon clothes. Sure. And um, the cast is, stays out in the lobby after the show and takes pictures with the audience. In fact, there are some people who come every year, and and that's their Christmas card picture for the next year. Oh, really? yep. okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, there are people who come back year after year and just have a great time. The other thing, I think, for me, it is, it is the difference between like the spirit of Christmas versus honor, because... Uh, I know in the original they say you know he can keep Christmas year round and all that, but having honor year round, especially yeah. in terms of being a Klingon, is kind of so much more than just being kind and being giving. Because mm -hmm. having honor is having pride in yourself, having pride in your family, and being good mm -hmm. when you need to be, but being strong and just all—it's all sorts of stuff that you get. Yeah, you can apply it to pretty much everything in your life. Yeah. Also, you know, I, people people have said, well, I don't know anything about Star Trek. <laughs> like, what rock were you under? But um, <laughs> it's amazing how many people aren't really into Trek. Somebody drags them here or they okay. feel like they need to come. Sure. And I've heard so many people say, that was so much fun. I had no idea I'd enjoy it so much. Sure. Yeah. I The first year I was in it, I had my entire family come up. And I'll be honest, most of them probably hadn't seen much of Star Trek, especially my cousins, and they all loved it. Uh, I think at least three of them went and actually started watching Star Trek. Cousins. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think it's, it's, it's clear that most of the people in the show are, are aficionados of Star Trek. Right. And if, if we're showing how much we love it, which generally we do, yeah. I mean, it's contagious how, how much fun we have. Yeah. Sure. But you don't have to be a major Star Trek fan to oh gosh, get no. into some Klingons. No, I I saw it the first year I went and saw it. I literally could only remember stuff from Enterprise, and that was it. Okay, <laughs> which has some Klingons. But not not much. Not, not a lot. Like, not like this. Yeah. There's there's some good little in jokes yeah. for the people who sure. do know Star Trek, so you can feel superior. Because <laughs> I know I did in my nerdy way. Because yeah. I love being a nerd. But yeah. <laughs> Well, and what's the alternative? Star Wars holiday special play? That oh my god! A future oh, please, too terrible to contemplate. Funny. Oh, that's sad. I still say there should be a Stargate holiday show now. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get all three of them. You work on that. Yeah, you oh, write sure. it. Sure. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you guys for joining me. Oh, uh, thank I want to you. remind the listeners that it is the Klingon Christmas Carol at Historic Mounds Theater in St. Paul. Shows start December first. Tickets are available at moundstheater.org. Lana and Elspeth, thanks a lot for joining me. Thank thanks, you. Thanks, Aaron. Well, Klingons may be fictional, but unicorns are real. Wow, an actual Enterprise fan. They're hard to come by, and we have not, as of yet, featured an Enterprise episode on Enterprising Individuals, but I am hopeful this has given me hope. You can let a Klingon Christmas carol give you hope, or at least a desire to wash in the bile of your enemies. If you're going to be in the vicinity of Minneapolis and St. Paul this December, shows start December 1st and run weekends until Christmas. Links for tickets are available in the show notes. Check it out, and thanks to Lana and Elspeth of A Klingon Christmas Carol. Kapla! Our top comment this week on social media comes from Twitter user and former guest of the show and former Discoverage guest and former winner of top comment, Alan Gratz, a two-timer, 
Alan tweeted to us in response to our ongoing series, Who Are the People on Your Crew Roster, where we detail the new and alien faces seen on screen in Star Trek Discovery. Uh, recently, we profiled Lieutenant Commander Arium, the enigmatic and mostly mechanical spore drive ops officer on the USS Discovery. And Alan commented, quote, a.k.a. Ensign Avenger, as she is clearly the love child of Captain America and the Vision. End quote. Alan, get off my tumbler. Alan was referring to the augmented human officer's unique appearance. Can't we get over about talking about a woman's looks in this day and age seriously? Just a fun note, Sarah Midich, the actress behind Lieutenant Commander Ariam, threw a like to our tweet about her character, and her character has seen a little more screen time recently, being featured fairly prominently in the episode Magic to Make the Sanest Man Go Mad. So good on you, Miss Midich. Hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, but back to Alan. Yeah, right, right. Okay, so uh, thanks for your comment and your suggestion of a genre mashup, although I think Thor Ragnarok, as you covered currently, on putting superheroes in space. That movie's like 90% Star Wars, but it's just as fun. If you think our show is fun, listeners, please observe the second general order of podcasting, which is tell a friend. If you like the show, chances are good that someone you like will like it as well. So get the word out. Thanks for your comment, Alan. You win an all-expenses-paid date with Lieutenant Commander Arium at the Pep Boys Service Center of your choice. Remember, listeners, you can compare Star Trek and superheroes and maybe have your comment read on the air. Just go to facebook.com forward slash EISTpod or find us at EISTpod on Twitter or through our social media links on enterprisingindividuals.com. You can also reach the show at EISTpod at gmail.com with feedback and suggestions or to just say hello we're waiting to receive your transmission. We are back again this Sunday at 8.30 p.m. Central Time for another episode of Discoverage right after Star Trek Discovery ends. The episode this week is entitled Into the Forest I Go, and it's the mid-season finale of Star Trek Discovery. It looks like a big one, and we've got a big guest lined up to appear on the show. Asterios Kokonos, comedian, podcaster, and human joy machine, will be joining me and my co-host Ella Pearson to talk Star Trek Discovery Tune in to listen to us live, and if you do, tweet at us during the show using the hashtag Discoverage. If you can't catch us live, our Discoverage shows are available in your usual podcast feed. And after the show, why not check out our Patreon page, where you too can become a crew member for the show. Just go to patreon.com forward slash EISTpod and sign up to receive exclusive subscriber content like our Discoverage shows and my DS9 recap episodes. We are up to Babel now, that's episode four, and chugging along through the wormhole. So just go to patreon.com forward slash EISTpod. We are still incredibly excited about Discovery, excited to hear that it's coming back. Um, sadly, um, a year and a half from now, but we'll take what we can get. And we want to share that with you. So join us on Sunday nights. And as always, anything you can contribute to us would be appreciated and would help keep us flying. Thanks. And that's it for this supplemental episode of Enterprising Individuals. If you're an Apple Podcast listener and you haven't yet, why not look us up on Apple Podcasts and make sure you're subscribed to the show. Also, write a little review if the spirit moves you and give us a rating at the very least. We'd appreciate it. And as always, if you like the show, tell a friend. If you're not on Apple Podcasts, you can still subscribe to the show on Google Play or on Stitcher or wherever you get our show from. And if you leave positive comments and ratings on those platforms as well, we'd be eternally grateful. Join us Sunday night after Star Trek Discovery airs on CBS All Access for another episode of Star Trek Discoverage. And until then, I'm your Captain Caliban, signing off and saying, live long and prosper. Yeah.